Welcome to In Her Shoes, presented by The Cut. I'm Lindsay Peoples-Wagner, Editor-in-Chief of The Cut. And for the next few weeks, I'll be taking over this feed and talking to women that we at The Cut love and admire or just find interesting. We'll explore how they found their path, what got in their way, and how they think about bringing others along now that they've arrived. This week, I'm very excited to chat with the one and only Hilary Duff. She's a former teen idol and now the star of Hulu spinoff How I Met Your Father. She's an actress, singer, producer, multi-award winner, and a true multi-hyphenate. We talk about surviving teen stardom, odds nostalgia, and Hillary's unique perspective on the history of female friendships on screen. Hi. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it. Yes, of course. I was listening to Clean before I came in this room, I have to tell you. <laughs> Getting ready. I have to start at the beginning. We have to talk about Lizzie McGuire first. I was such a big fan of the show. And I wanted to to start and get your thoughts on like, you know, now being able to look back, obviously had such a huge impact on a generation. And I mean, the fashion, the exploration of like all of these preteen issues now that you look back on that. You know, it's just such a normal part of my life that it didn't feel as monumental until really like five years ago when everything like was resurfacing and people were like revisiting it and expressing how impactful it was to their life. You know, I think that when I was shooting it, I was just shooting a TV show and I had no idea that me wearing flowered pants with like some kind of crazy printed top was going to (laughs) mean so much to people. (laughs) And... I'm incredibly grateful for the community that that is built around that show. Yeah. And now that I'm an adult and I've done many other projects and I've had many successes and many lulls in my career, like I think that it's it's wild that something like that can continue to have legs like 20 years later. You were 13 when it first aired? Mm-hmm. I'm curious about what your 13-year-old self really understood about the show and the stories that you were telling about young women on TV versus now. I think there's so many more you know, shows like How I Met Your Father that have really, I think, a, a nuanced version of friendship and relationships and, and exploration of young women. I think that's something that I've, I more consider now looking back or you know, even like 10 years ago, thinking about the the journey that the character went on and kind of like what she was dealing with. And in at the time, it was so close to who I was that it was nice to not feel like I was going through it alone. It almost felt like I had this other person that I could like brave all of those experiences with. Yeah. You know? But, you know, I wasn't like reading scripts and like, oh my God, I deeply understand that this friendship is like falling apart because of this boy or like, you know, and then eventually we'll like refine each other. It, it, it wasn't really that deep, to be honest. I wasn't like doing these deep character dives on Lizzie. I feel like we were one and the same. <laughs> and it's not until now when I look back and I'm like, you know what, the show was really, it was really special. And it, and, you know, of course there was like funny parts and immature parts but it was really thoughtful and kind and sweet and and smart yeah incredibly incredibly ahead of its time um there's there's so much like early 2000s nostalgia now and i mean i think you've seen this and if you spent some time on tiktok which i'm assuming you have i saw your your redoing of the dance which i also loved 
What do you feel like when you see all of this early 2000s nostalgia? Do you relate? Do you feel like, oh, I'm into these trends again? Do you care at all? By the way, I couldn't even turn the the notifications off of my computer, so I'm not that deep into TikTok right now. <laughs> like I'm not I'm <laughs> I'm like intimidated by a new platform. Like my husband is an expert at TikTok and I'm like you win this. I can't I don't know. I'm a mother of 3. I don't have a ton of downtime. Of course, I can like scroll through TikTok and appreciate so much of the content. I'm incredibly impressed by how creative people are and how much time people have to, to like film this shit. It's crazy to me. <laughs> yeah, it takes a lot of tries to film it. It really does. And then to edit it and like add stuff to it. I, I hope one day I'm going to get there. But um, right now I'm not. I, I, I appreciate it. And I think it's funny. And I obviously like relate to it. And then there's parts of me that's like terrified to continue having like stuff from my past like dug up and revisited because, you know, not all of it I'm proud of and not all of it like was <laughs> top notch. That's for sure. <laughs> I do have to talk about the the Lizzie McGuire reboot. I mean, that it broke a lot of hearts when when that was stalled. And there's clearly, you know, an appetite for that to be remade. And I was curious on your end why it was so important for you to advocate, you know, to see an adult version of that character. I think there's like a few uh, levels to that. And one is that it took a long time for me to love Lizzie again. I would say probably from 20 to 30, I was just like, I don't want to be called Lizzie. I don't want to be associated with that. It was just really frustrating. I felt stuck and and, you know, I worked for many years to do other things. And and then, I don't know, that just really went away. I was like, I don't, I don't know if it was having kids or just being settled in my own life that made me not care anymore. And then come around to a place of really, like, loving and appreciating that moment in my life. And I guess when I finally was ready, you know, they asked me for years and years and years and years to reboot Lizzie. And it was just like always a non-conversation for me. When I finally was ready to do it, I was like, the only way we do this is an honest interpretation of what her life would look like right now. Because that's what made the show so special is that it was an honest representation of a, a 13, 14, 15 year old girl's life. I think Disney Plus was a new platform for them. They knew they wanted it to live there. And I think they just got very excited about, you know, the thought of bringing Lizzie back. And then we we started to not completely be on the same page when it came to topics and things that she was dealing with, things that she would be faced with in her life. And um, yeah. I worked so hard in my career and I have such a busy life at home with my kids. Like, unless I'm being totally fulfilled, I really don't want to be locked into something that isn't making me happy. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. But by the way, like, you know, I don't, I don't really love to to talk about this because the internet seems to explode whenever Lizzie's stuff is brought up, but it's not dead and it's not alive. You know, I think there's always possibility there. And like, even if she's 40, I don't think people care. Like it's always going to be somewhat interesting to people to see where she ended up, you know? I agree. I agree. 
since you've had, you know, such an amazing and long career, a lot of people, I think, feel like, you know, I can't do what I want to do. I'm always being watched or I feel like I can't take risks, especially growing up in the spotlight. How did you feel and how do, how do you feel about that now? I mean, I think a lot of things are obviously very different with social media and all of that. But um, how did how were you able to handle it and, and come out really, you know, feeling like you're you know confident in who you are and, and still able to do what you want to do with your own life? I ask myself that question often, like if I would have felt it would have been easier to navigate if social media had have been a thing when I was 18 or, you know, 25 even like, well, I guess maybe Twitter and stuff was coming out when I was 25. I feel so old, <laughs> you know, because then I would have had a platform to really expose who I was at that time, you know, instead of how a magazine wrote an article about me. Um, and then the other side is like, it's so scary. And I'm so scared for my kids to get on social media that I like, maybe it was for the best. I don't really know the answer to that. I brought up social media because I often think about that as well with really big celebrities. Like I'll think about it when I when I think about, I grew up loving Destiny's Child. And I was like, what would it be, have been like for Beyonce and Destiny's Child? Yeah, if they were just like posting and you could follow and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's just a very, obviously a very different world and atmosphere, but how you were able to handle it, you know, being young in the spotlight, but also just understanding that, you know, a lot of people that you may have grown up in around the industry or people that were in things around that same time may have not been able to handle it as well or may not have been able to handle the fame and pressures as well. One, I've always had a crazy good work ethic. I don't know if that's being trained by Disney Channel. <laughs> But I, I don't even think so. Like, <laughs> I remember when I was little, I wanted to learn how to do a cartwheel, like a perfect cartwheel. And my mom said for two weeks straight, every single night for three hours in our living room, I was just doing a cartwheel, trying to do cartwheel, cartwheel, cartwheel. Like, so focused. Like, kids don't have that focus anymore. Yeah. When Luca wants to do something, he's like, five minutes practice. And then he'll be like, can I get on my iPad or, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, there's just so many distract. I feel like it's just different times. Like, yeah. When we were growing up, we didn't have all those distractions. We kind of had to entertain ourselves, And like, then that kind of goes into the whole work ethic thing of like, oh, well, I was coming off this big show. Then I didn't want to be Lizzie McGuire forever. So then I started working on music and I wasn't really like a natural singer. So, you know, I knew I could like carry a tune and I knew I had something to say. And then it was like, okay, I have to work really hard to get anybody to take me seriously in music now. And then after that, I'm like, okay, I'm not really getting the roles I want. I got to audition for them. Like, but I don't know. I, I just made it all happen. And I think a huge testament to that is having such a strong fan base, obviously, that was built with Lizzie McGuire. But I felt, I felt so many different ways about it. I had so much responsibility, you know, to be like a role model. And that was a lot of weight. And it was like, perfectly fine for a little while until it wasn't you know i remember i was i was maybe 18 or 19 on tour and this mother came up to me and i was after meet and greet and she was like whatever you do don't change don't change just stay the same just stay the same and it was like so intense and she was like holding my arms and like looking in my face almost begging me and i was like I was obviously nice to her face. And then I remember going into my dressing room and being like, don't change. 
don't ever change. Like I'm 18. I'm doing nothing but changing. I'm different. I'm, you know, yeah. this crazy feeling of like, what if I never changed? Like, and everybody just wants me to be the same. It was, it was wild. And it wasn't shortly after that, that I decided to like stop touring. I took a huge break. I learned how to like live alone. And I think taking that break and like fucking up, but trying to be private about my life, you know, helped me so much, helped me find my footing again when my whole life was scheduled for me and I couldn't go anywhere alone. And I was just like very isolating. And it was, like I said, it was really cool for a little while. And then it was not. I want to also just talk about a similar theme that I've seen in a lot of your work is really amazing, positive female friendships, which I think is something that we talk a lot about at the cut of how to be, how to have better friendships and how often I feel like my girlfriends would like be able to break my heart more than any significant other partner ever. And I think that like the female friendships that I've had have just shaped me and grounded me in a, in a very different way than I ever thought. And we were talking about, you know, from Cadet Kelly to Lizzie McGuire to Younger to How I Met Your Father. And there's all these different depictions of female friendships. And so just one wondering, you know, have you seen a shift in female friendships in the way that they're portrayed over the years? What female friendships have meant to you in your life and and thoughts on that? Oh my gosh. I I feel so lucky to have my my female friendships and I would say there's one, two, three, four, five, six. I, I'm so lucky to say that I have like seven really strong female friendships and I've had them for a long time. And like, that is absolutely who I turn to, what I need to ground me to just to survive, you know, to look to for advice, to learn, to cry, to let loose. I mean, all of those things, those are all my, that's what my girlfriends do for me. And I feel like, and it's been really nice, like to see that shift of like, just being so diehard for your girls, you know, and, and not, not putting guys ahead of your female friendship and not making your husband or your boyfriend be your everything. I mean, there's a reason why women used to raise all the kids in like a commune type setting. like a Commune. Yeah. <laughs> it's a pack that is just irreplaceable. I feel like when you have those good female friendships, you have to hold on to them and you have to deeply like sit and think about them and be good to one another. And I just can't imagine. I would feel so lost without my my tried and trues. Same, same. Let's talk about Younger because also amazing show. What what prompted you to join the show? What does it feel like to now be off the show? Like, what do you miss about being on Younger? Such a funny, like, truly enjoyable show. And I'm curious of how often, you know, you think about it and, and where your head was at when you joined. Talk about being grateful for a job. Like, I was really in need of something in my life at that time. Um, I had just had Luca my oldest child, maybe a year and a half before that show, I got the call for that show. And I really hadn't worked. I had done some like super crappy projects just to get out of the house a little bit, you know, but not anything to write home about. So to get that call from Darren one day, I was just at home with my son. I was about to get divorced. Like my relationship was falling apart. 
And he was like, I can't see anybody else in this, but you, I think it's perfect. I think it's fun. I think it's everything that you're looking for and, you know, come to New York and choose this pilot. And I was like, oh, I got to tell you, I'm, I haven't even told anyone this, but I'm about to get divorced. And like, I just, I can't uproot my son and come to New York to shoot a show. And he was like, yeah, 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 you can, you can, you can, you can come. We're just shooting the pilot. We, we'll go from there. I was like, wow, he's so persuasive. And it, it feels really good to be wanted, you know, by someone who's incredibly talented and that you've admired for your whole entire career. You know, I loved Sex in the City and 90210 and Melrose Place and all those fucking huge shows. And so I did it. And I'm so grateful that I took a risk and and decided to do that. I had no idea I was going to be traveling to New York for seven years, but <laughs> I'm so glad I did. And I think that also goes back to like the Lizzie McGuire thing. Like I was on a show like younger, why would I take a step backwards and do a show for 10 year olds again? Like it just didn't make any sense to me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, talk about female friends, like Sutton and I became very close. Molly Bernard is the godmother to my two girls. She was my doula during my birth. I love that. Just she married Matt and I, like just my absolute best friend. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. We have to talk about How I Met Your Father. Love this show. What has been one of your favorite moments in shooting and obviously, you know, stepping into the role as an executive producer? What has that been like in actually shaping the show and and the storyline and things that you're, you know, depicting to an audience? Talk about getting like a few magical phone calls in my life. One was Darren Starr and one was Isaac and Elizabeth. And I got the phone call for How I Met Your Father. Like I was actually nine months pregnant with May. And I'm like, why are you calling me? Why do you want me for this job? I'm about to have another baby, like my third baby. (laughs) And they, Elizabeth was about, like, literally couldn't be on the phone call that day because she was heading to Cedars to have her baby. And it was just this weird, like, again, like, we want you for this. What do you have going on? Will you just read this script? And I think Isaac thought I was going to say no. And I was like, send it over. Let me read it course you know I read it that night I called him the next day I was like can that be mine can this be mine like are you offering this to me because I want this right and I was super intimidated by the title obviously you know thinking that it was like a reboot and 
coming off of the Lizzie stuff, I was just not not down for a reboot. And he was like, it's not a reboot. It's not, it's, and of course, it's going to take a little bit of convincing to get people to understand that. But this is a completely new group of friends, you know, as told from the, the female's perspectives, so of course, we're borrowing how to tell the story, but it has nothing to do with the the old show. And I'm like, okay, great. And then I was like, I want to be a producer. I've just, I've been on TV too long now to not produce. And they were totally on board, which was great because it's been a very collaborative process. I was involved from day one with all the casting. And then, you know, I hired Anthony Tran, who's the same wardrobe person that I met on Lizzie. That was our short, ill-fated experience. I called him with like, I knew our story wasn't over. Come and join how I met your father. (laughs) And he's great. So just the look of the show, the whole thing, it's been so much fun. And yeah, I, I can't, I mean, now we have 20 episodes for season two, which was huge news. Yeah, congratulations. Thank you so much. Huge news. And, uh, and you're know, talking about exploring female friendships. I think we'll get an even bigger opportunity to do that because there's great women on this show too. And, um, and, you know, the one thing that makes me a little nervous is like, obviously Sophie's dating and that's her, her main goal is, you know, to find her, her true love. And so I think a lot of the guys are going to be an option. I'm always like, just, she can't cross any boundaries. Like she can't cross a girlfriend to get to a guy. Absolutely not. So it'll be interesting to see how we navigate that. Yeah. I mean, now that you're executive producing though, what is that, how is that different day to day than when, you know, you've been part of a show, but not leading a show? Obviously, I know you have kids, you have a lot of stuff going on. What What is that process like behind the scenes? I'm juggling my kids like a whole different talk, like conversation. It's so, I'm so lucky to have amazing help that I've, that have been with me like for such a long time and that, that just know how I like to operate, you know? And when I leave for work, of course, I'm thinking about my kids and things that they have, you know, on their schedules that need to like be done and they're, making sure they feel taken care of and comforted and all that stuff. But like, I really do get to leave and know that they're taken care of, you know, that their, their day is going to go smoothly, that everybody at the house knows what to do and how to do it and when to reach out to me and when to not, you know, it's like, it really is yeah. a well-oiled machine. For some reason, it feels like there's never enough hands on deck. I don't know how, <laughs> but I just, I am eternally grateful for, for having that support that makes me feel so comfortable with them. But, you know, when it comes to scheduling and stuff like that, it's helpful being a producer, but, you know, the other really important thing to me was being on a few other jobs where I just didn't feel like heard or like what I had to say mattered or how I felt mattered. Like I sat down the cast from day one and I'm like, the only way this is going to work is if this is like a level playing field and everybody's coming with their best energy and their best heart forward. And any issues you have, like, please feel free to come to me, go to Isaac and Elizabeth. Let's just have open dialogue, open communication, because I want to be the leader that I always wish I had, you know? Yeah, no, I completely understand that. Last question we have to ask about working with Kim Cattrall on the show, playing the same person. What has that been like? We're huge fans of Kim Cattrall as well. Who isn't? She's she's an icon. Icon. <laughs> and when she said yes, I just was like, wow, that's 
this is so cool. Like I have a lot of like, that's cool moments. And then I also have a lot of like, I don't know, I'm not jaded, but I, I'm not too excitable anymore. Yeah. I look at my kids sometimes and like, they'll be like jumping up and down for like uh, bubbles or something. And I'm like, God, when is something going to get me that excited ever <laughs> to like physically move? Kids love bubbles and slime. <laughs> like move my body up and down, take the effort to move my body up and down. Cause I'm so excited. Like I don't, it doesn't happen that often, you know, <laughs> but when Kim Cottrell signs on to like do your show and play you like you do that. So it was just obviously elevated our show. She's so eloquent. She's, she's just like smooth and cool and confident and beautiful. And I just, I'm really grateful. I didn't have to work the day that she shot all of her stuff and I showed up and I was like, where is she? Get out of my way. (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted to like breathe her air and talk to her and hang out. And she was so gracious and kept being like, oh my God, I wish we could have had time to hang out. I would have picked your brain about the care. I'm like, you got this. You don't need me. Like (laughs) it was really cool. And I I hope I, I pitched something that day on set where I was like, you know, that moment where everyone just wants to like have the older you write, write a letter to the younger you letting you know that like everything's going to turn out okay. And like answer some of your questions. Yes. I'm like, I don't know if Sophie like gets stoned one day or takes mushrooms or has like a dream where she's like looking in the mirror and then Kim's there talking her through something. And I'm like, that would be, I would love that. Right. Like, wouldn't that be so, I'm just like (laughs) trying to worm my way into getting to shoot something with her. I mean, you definitely should. Please do. (laughs) Season two. She's really great. No, that's amazing. What a good note to end on. Thank you so much, Hillary. I really appreciate it. We know you're so busy, so, so appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Lindsay, thank you. In Her Shoes is hosted by me, Lindsay Peoples-Wagner. Our producer and editor is Kylie Holloway. Our engineer is Brandon McFarlane, and our executive producer is Hannah Rosen. The Cut is made possible by the excellent team at New York Magazine. Subscribe today to support their work at thecut.com slash subscribe. I'm Lindsay Peoples-Wagner. Thanks for listening.